has to be your wife. If I have to say yes or no now, then I'm afraid the answer must be no. Won't you at least give me the hope that you might change your mind? That maybe when you know me better... I'd be less than a woman, Mr. President, if I didn't reserve that right. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Dahl. And this week, we have finished the 1944 awards. So we will tell you at the end of this episode if the Academy chose the right film. But this week, we watched the presidential biopic Wilson about Woodrow Wilson. And it was... Yeah... It kind of wasn't about Woodrow Wilson at all. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't really about anything. I have a shocking revelation to make, which is, as you know, Susan, sometimes when we watch these movies, we sort of take breaks. We like pause the movie and go do something else for a little while. And I realized about 20 minutes before this recording session that I had paused this movie 20 minutes before it ended and then just never watched the end of this movie. My brain just didn't process I didn't watch the end of it. (laughs) Because, like, you get more out of reading Woodrow Wilson's Wikipedia page than you do out of watching this two-and-a-half-hour movie. Well, and that's what I mean by saying that this wasn't really about Woodrow Wilson, because the character that they created for this film is an entirely different person. (laughs) Right. Weirdly, the only interesting thing about this film is when it's like Woodrow Wilson, a man who loved Abraham Lincoln, famously loved black people. And it's like, (laughs) um, no, 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 none of that. None of that is true. Neither of these things are correct at all. And who wanted to keep us out of war, but really, really hated the Germans of pre-World War One Germany? Yeah. This movie is an entire retcon, not only of Woodrow Wilson as president, but the United States of America leading up to and in World War One, and our reasons for doing so. And I'll tell you, in the last 20 minutes, did you get to the point where he had the stroke? Yes, that was about where I left, because I was just like, okay, he had the stroke, Edith is going to be basically president for six months, and also actually his whole rest of his presidency, but that's fine. And then, like, everybody's going to tell him how right he was in retrospect for the 14 points, and that's the end of the movie, right? Okay, so, no. (laughs) Oh, okay. And again, when I say totally retconned, basically the way the film portrays it is he has a stroke, and... The doctor says, you know, he's paralyzed on one half of his body, but otherwise his mind is totally there. So, Edith, you're just going to have to basically screen any information that's coming in and determine whether or not it's important to show it to him. And then he just is awake and okay and greets Harding as he comes into the White House. And it's really strange because that is not what happened in real life at all (laughs) that is what i assume happens in the movie is that they go like oh you had a stroke but it was one of those it doesn't count strokes it's fine and then he just dies of that's in his bio 
And everyone's like, he was the greatest living American. The end. Basically, yeah. This is a movie that is so clearly a passion project from the way that it gets away with things. From, like, what it's allowed to do and the amount of time it's allowed to spend on things. And yet, there's, like, nothing in this movie that you can tell that anyone is passionate about. The convention to nominate the Democratic nominee in 1912. That's the thing they're most passionate about. That convention, which was apparently deadlocked as far as votes, it goes on for so long in this film. And it's also the one where they use a tremendous amount of special effects for no reason. Right, but like even then, it's not like there's any discussion of the actual thing anyone's doing. Literally, Wilson's just golfing through the whole thing. And then eventually they're like, you won! And he's like, great, gonna keep golfing. Then a band comes and plays. He never fucking does anything in this movie. The only time he does anything is when he does that completely anachronistic, you fucking Nazis, I hate you Nazis, it's 1916 and you're fucking Nazis, speech to the German. (laughs) That's the only time he's not a passive character that just gets handed everything. Well, and when he goes on his tour of America, convincing everybody that they need to... I guess, call their senators and tell them that they should support the League of Nations. Yeah. That's the only other time where he's very active. The convention scene to me, though, is such a fascinating little bit of why was this made filmography? (laughs) Because they apparently shot the convention scenes in the Hollywood Bowl. So they went to all of that effort to shoot in a massive space with a number of extras, and then still superimposed footage from the actual convention on top of it, which is in black and white, and the film is in Technicolor, so you get this very interesting, almost like fine art quality scenes, where basically all that happens is over and over again, you see a lot of people in a space, and then some people shouting, and then a phone call gets made to Wilson, And he says, well, what's going on? Is it to my benefit to drop out or not? But because the convention is deadlocked, they say, oh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter either way. And so Wilson says, well, I guess I'll stay in. (laughs) Why did they go to all that effort for 20 minutes of a scene that is nothing? (laughs) That's everything. He is a man of principle. About what? That might be controversial. He signs a bunch of business reform bills that Teddy Roosevelt also would have signed is the only... This movie doesn't want to go into anything that makes Wilson interesting, except for the 14 points. Like, that's basically the only thing that's an actual policy position of Woodrow Wilson's that this movie wants to discuss at all. I mean, I guess the neutrality for the war, but that's just woven in and out of the whole thing. There's a passing reference occasionally during the re-election campaign where the Republican side says something about him straight-jacketing business, but as far as actually talking about labor reforms, which Woodrow Wilson had a lot of problems and was a super racist piece of shit who is responsible for nationally platforming the Confederate lost cause mentality. However, he was good at some labor and finance reforms. 
Yeah. Most of which were actually started before he ended up being president and he managed to get them pushed through. So I'll give him credit for that. But this movie spends a lot of time with him going through the White House when they first move in and stopping at everything that is about Abraham Lincoln. And again, this guy, Southerner from Georgia, son of the Confederacy, who, as far as we can tell, really liked the Confederacy, who segregated all of the federal branches that he could, including the army, which at that point was not segregated, basically undoing all of the integration work that some of the previous presidents of the 20th century had done, and specifically taking away executive branch positions that had traditionally been filled by black Americans. This whole idea of making him love Lincoln is so fucking wild to me. Like, why not pick Jefferson or somebody who at least is not so obviously in conflict? I think the fascinating thing, the movie kind of does weird things to launder his reputation and like shows its hand way too much. There's that weird scene where effectively they try and make it seem like his main vendetta against Teddy Roosevelt is that Teddy Roosevelt went to Yale. But then at the end of the scene, there's a Teddy Roosevelt impersonator who's just in blackface for no reason. Whoa, whoa, And you go, whoa. well, that kind of explains what the actual problem with them was. How did I totally miss that moment? It, because it's like five seconds long and it's just a guy going like, bully. And then you look at him and he's in blackface and you're like, well, I, I mean, that is actually a summary of Woodrow Wilson's problem with Teddy Roosevelt. That and Teddy Roosevelt supported going into World War One, but that hasn't happened yet in the time where they're running against each other in 1912. So they just make it this weird, like, Ivy League thing. And similarly, it's not that Woodrow Wilson was incoherent about World War I, but it is too complicated for this movie what weird brand of isolationist he was. And so this movie has to reckon with the fact that he kept us out of the war until he didn't and really wants to have it both ways. So he just keeps going like, I'm not a coward. I'd love to go to war tomorrow, but we've got responsible sons and daughters of our nation. God bless America. Gotta go. He's never allowed to be wrong about anything. And so this movie is just boring as shit because the moment he says something, you're like, well, that's going to be right. That's true. There's absolutely no journey here. <laughs> right. I could go through the plot. In case you don't know Woodrow Wilson's biography, he became the president of Princeton University, got recruited to run for governor of New Jersey kind of sort of fought back against the political bosses, but this movie makes a really big deal out of that when it's, again, kind of more complicated than this movie makes it out to be. Gets nominated for the presidency in 1912, effectively in real life, because they wanted somebody who was a business reformer like Teddy Roosevelt, but kept the racism that was keeping the Democratic Party alive at the time, beating out a couple of people who actually wanted to reform that part of the Democratic Party and closing that off until FDR comes to power two decades later. I mean, arguably even until Kennedy gets nominated, but yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, let, actually, until Eleanor Roosevelt comes to power and does something about it in FDR's term. But the real point here is he wins the presidency largely because Teddy Roosevelt is being a dick and trying to run third party. Keeps us out of World War One, gets reelected in 1916, then can't do that anymore, and comes up with genuinely a really smart and good plan for international politics that would have solved a lot of problems if we had enacted it, but then is a complete dick to the United States Congress so they don't pass it and we all get screwed and have to do World War II. But none of that in this movie is his fault at all. And instead, the Republicans basically just spike the League of Nations to spite him. Yeah. Which isn't, like, totally untrue, but also is not... There are a lot of issues with the League of Nations. <laughs> yeah. It was not perfect. The UN ended up being better, if less powerful. Uh, and the UN isn't perfect either. So, anyway... I don't even know what to say about this movie. It's super boring. It's like the most interesting thing about it is how much money they spend on these huge special effects shots. We watched Wonder Woman 1984, which I'm going to talk about because, one, legally we're part of film Twitter now, and so we have to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. And two, fuck, what else are we going to do? Talk about this movie? Are we legally part of film Twitter? I mean, kind of. We have a film podcast we've been running for three years. But we don't have a Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, but like, that doesn't matter. It's a state of mind. Fair enough, fair enough. Point is, that is a movie that feels weirdly similar to this only because it is a blank check movie where you go that that's what you're passionate about that's the thing you want to spend all your time and energy and clout on that and also weirdly elaborate set of the white house are the two things those movies have in common yeah they went through photographs and had specific colors that were necessary for the lincoln bedroom that they had to change the lighting in order to get the correct color in Technicolor. And and that's the stuff where uh, my head just explodes because it's... Why? He wasn't a fan of Lincoln. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah. This movie is organized around being a glowing portrait of Woodrow Wilson because he could have prevented World War II if everybody listened to him and we're in the middle of World War II. The weird result of that is, well, then just make a movie about that. Why are you making me sit through an hour and 40 minutes of boring, like, jump from detail to detail biopic if you actually just want to talk about the post-World War I peace accords? Just make an entire movie about that and have people backfill information about Wilson as you need it. Because you need maybe three details, judging from this film, to get you there. It's really interesting that it's trying to have it both ways as far as if we had listened to him, World War II wouldn't have happened. But also the Germans have always been terrible Nazi tyrants. And so remember, kids, keep going to the war and that whole bit where they spend 10 minutes of just showing old footage of people mobilizing on the home front with Over There and all these big patriotic World War I songs. It's trying to have so many things both ways that don't really make any sense to have that way. Right. 30% makes sense to 
connect the 14 points to World War II. It wanted to forgive war debt, and if they forgave war debt, then Germany would not have been just a hellhole for 10 years and willing to listen to anybody that wanted to fix their economy, including literally Hitler. And that makes some sense. And if this movie made that connection, it would make sense. But instead, it just goes like, you terrible Germans with your cultural supremacy here in 1918. Is that why they're at war right now? That doesn't... I No, it isn't. No, it was just a mess of various treaties where somebody had to go to war because somebody else declared war on somebody else. And it was a total mess of bureaucracy. But yeah, they basically make it the beta test of being Nazis. <laughs> it's a total mess of a film. I don't even think it deserves us to talk about it any longer than this. Plus, it's the last episode of... The 1944 nominees, and we do need to talk about the Academy's choice. <laughs> okay, I do want to talk about one more detail around this movie, which I absolutely love. On the subject of deeply complex early 20th century figures, I don't want to praise Churchill too much, but the story about FDR showing Churchill this movie and him going, eh, and walking out and going to bed is extremely funny to me. <laughs> Just... I don't know. There's just the image of Churchill being like, okay, and then leaving is like, okay, sometimes he got stuff right. But yes, let's let's talk about this year in film history in general, rather than this movie, which is boring and shouldn't win Best Picture and doesn't win Best Picture. But what did win Best Picture also shouldn't have won. For sure. In my opinion. I've got to imagine this is a double indemnity and gaslight split the vote deal, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, Going My Way is the one of these five nominees that I'm the most confused about its nomination because gaslight is just excellent, mm -hmm. period, right? Yeah. Double indemnity is super entertaining. It is very zeitgeisty and of the moment. Since You Went Away is... A mess, but it's a patriotic propaganda home front film. Yeah. Wilson is a big biopic about a president. You know, these are all things that end up getting nominated. Going my way? Right. It's like a light <laughs> comedy with two good musical numbers and a weird old Irish priest. That is overly long and has no real story structure and is completely rambling and so like the only thing i can think is that you're just filling out your ballot yeah going my way that one was fine everybody who cared passionately picked double indemnity or gaslight and it ended up weirdly meaning that nobody rallied behind anything yeah i think the weird thing is it's not even a default pick it just ends up being the default pick by default because everything else is kind of weird or bad except for Gaslight, which is really, really good, and Double Indemnity, which... Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's the default pick only because the other two options for default pick are weird and bad, which is Since You Went Away and Wilson. Right. Like 30% of people voted for Gaslight, 30% of people voted for Double Indemnity, and 40% voted for this other movie. <laughs> yeah. It is very strange because ordinarily in this sort of a situation, I'd be like, the Academy was afraid of the good movie, just wasn't 
ready for it, but I don't really know why they would be afraid of gaslight. I mean, gaslight is pretty intense. That is fair. It's very difficult to watch. It is not fun. It is an exquisitely made film. But it is very squirmy. That's fair, but it's squirmy in a Hitchcocky way, and they already gave Rebecca Best Picture. It's definitely squirmier than Rebecca, but like the way it is squirmy, the Academy has already rewarded. So I don't quite get why like doing that up to 11 would scare him away. But maybe... Yeah, that's... Anyway, point is it ought to be Gaslight. Yes, it absolutely ought to be Gaslight, unquestionably. Going My Way for me is a very, very distant third, and only because it was, as you put it in the episode, aggressively fine. Yeah. It is a laundry folding movie. It is like, I just need background stuff happening that is low stakes and never gets too loud. (laughs) Again, it makes total sense that it gets adapted into like a 1950s TV show. Every week there's a new person and the priest goes like, well... I just folksy wisdom. Gotta go, gotta go. Here's a little musical number on the (laughs) piano. And you just don't care and it's all fine. Yeah. That's the whole movie. I wouldn't even say that Double Indemnity is a close second, but it is much closer than Going My Way is a third. Yeah. I think Double Indemnity is not entirely a successful movie, but what it is successful at is kind of amazing. And so you can kind of overlook, I mean, certainly against the rest of this crowd, the ways in which it's not great. Right. Against Gaslight, which is borderline. I mean, we gave it a 10, right? Yeah. It was at least an 8 plus. No, we gave it a 10. Like in 1942, I think Double Indemnity could have won. But I was going to say 1943, but like Casablanca, come on. Mm -hmm. But this year, it's just up against Gaslight, and Gaslight's also amazing and doesn't have Double Indemnity's problems. Yeah, Gaslight is perfect. It's super tight. There's nothing wasted in it. It's such an economical film. Every shot is what it should be. Every line is what it should be. Every performance is as big or as small as it should be. It's just very perfect. (laughs) And we don't get a lot of those. I mean, even ones where we've really liked them are not necessarily perfect, but Double Indemnity just doesn't come anywhere close to that. It's fun. It's fun. It's got good cinematography. There's a couple of really great performances, but it's... It's like... This is a very recent film Twitter take, but one that I think about a lot, which is you're always happy to see Denzel Washington in a movie that's aggressively fine. You know he's going to be good. And Double Indemnity feels sort of like that. It's kind of, you know, airport paperbacky. There's not a lot of substance to it, but it's fun. You're happy to have watched it. There's always something in there where you're like, oh, that was really interesting and really cool. Uh, but in general, you're it's not like one of the greatest films of all time. Nobody's going to name any psychological conditions after Double Indemnity. <laughs> no. Anyway... Gaslight should have won. Going My Way shouldn't have even been second. In this year, I would say the only two that are really worth watching are Gaslight and Double Indemnity. Somebody should do a cut of just shots of all the sets in Wilson. 
That's really the only interesting thing in Wilson. God, they spent a lot of money on this two and a half hour movie that doesn't really say anything. And what it says is inaccurate for the most part. Right. There are parts of Wilson that look pretty is I guess the only thing I'm trying to say. And that isn't really true of going my way or since he went away. Right. Anyway, we're off to 1945. Yes. And our first movie next week is Anchors Away, a comedy musical starring Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. And we have such a good history with just miscellaneous Navy men movies. Yeah. I don't think you have ever not hated a movie that was set in the Navy. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Did I just hate the guy from Since You Went Away because he's in the Navy? Is that, was it just the latent, <laughs> latent Naviness of it all that made me hate Joseph Cotton's character? Like if he had been in the army, you would have been fine with him? Yeah. Totally possible, but I don't think that's just why. I think you had other reasons that were justifiable. I think you may have just cranked it up because of the Navy part. At the, not sure. Uh, yeah. Anyway, tune in next week to see if this finally breaks David's curse of hating every movie about the Navy. I mean, hopefully there won't be any blackface, which will be a real step up. I don't know. You said there was some in this week's movie. I definitely didn't see that, but I'm not going to tell you that it didn't happen because there were a lot of times where I wasn't paying crystal clear attention to Wilson. I'm going to be honest. It's like the button to that weird scene where they go... He may seem like an egghead academic, but he goes to musicals and like the button is. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that's weird about it is that one, it's a super short shot. And two, there's no reason for him to be in blackface. He is very clearly doing an impression of a white guy. And so you would not think, oh, this will be a man in blackface if I look up from my phone. But it is. Yeah, God, that movie was just terrible. Did we even rate Wilson? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) No, see, this is what I'm saying. Is like, it isn't that I chose to not watch the last 20 minutes of this movie. It's that I forgot that I didn't watch the last 20 minutes of this movie. A two? I mean... The sets are nice. That's all I've got to get me to a two. I do think that the special effects, despite their being completely unnecessary, are fascinating to watch. So yeah, I mean, two. Also, you know, it is a movie about a president we never had. It would be nice if that were the actual (laughs) Woodrow Wilson. (laughs) Obviously, there will be departures from strict reality. It's a film. But the spirit should be there if not the letter of their history (laughs) honestly i don't even think it would be that nice if this was the real woodrow wilson i mean he's like pretty good at negotiating after world war one but otherwise he doesn't really stand for anything that isn't just general platitudes about america and people are like he's the only honest politician and you're like great like what's he gonna do and that's never really made clear ever uh also there's the really creepy scene where they get to the white house and the black guy comes out and is like i'm so happy to be working for a real southerner again and that's not great yeah that was something yeah yeah so two we can just go with a one (laughs) yeah one i just i really i i really like what they did with the sets of the white house one there 
Like, yeah. I don't even think the performance is that good. The guy looks like him, but I don't know that he... Yeah, I don't think that his performance is that great. It's just that they cast a guy who, if they stuck glasses on him, kind of looked like Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, otherwise it's like an SNL impression. Yeah, that's the kind of voice Woodrow Wilson kind of has, sort of. Yeah. Don't watch this movie. Tune in next week to find out if David still hates the Navy. Probably because boats. (laughs) And until then... (sighs) This wasn't a movie. But I'm not sure what it was, because it's not even Woodrow Wilson's Wikipedia page. It's just burning a lot of money. Like, I can't think of a movie I've ever seen that more obviously was going to lose a shit ton of cash. And this one did. So this was a disaster. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. The president has nothing further to communicate.